Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and reading for our text, verse 2. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I come, am come to sacrifice to the Lord. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 2. And it is specifically this question of Samuel, how can I go? I want to also look at it in the sense, how can I a path that is set before Samuel here. And many of the Lord's dear people have those things that are set before them and this is the question that arises in their hearts. How can I? How can I? And maybe you've come to the Lord's house this evening and the Lord knows your matter, your path, and that which is set before you And this is how you've been going. How can I? How can I? How can I go? How can I do this? How can I walk in this path? The Lord showed me this way. He's answered my prayer, but how can I? And this is a path that dear Samuel here has set before him. And I want to look at four ways this evening, not just confining in Samuel that others in the Word have have asked this question as well. But I don't want to uh, move on to those points without first looking at the very situation that Samuel is in here and several very uh, clear points that are bound up with the text here. The first thing to note is here that Samuel must move on. The Lord said uh, to Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? In the previous verse, in the previous chapter, uh, we read that Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord is telling Samuel, he must move on from this. He cannot stay mourning over Saul. Samuel no doubt could remember clearly the providences of how he he came to anoint Saul and how Saul was made king. And no doubt he longed that Saul would walk in a right way, a godly way, and it grieved him that he did not walk in that way. And here he is stuck in this situation, maybe with some of you as well, in a situation you're looking back all the time. You know, the Apostle Paul, he says, forgetting the things that are behind and looking forward to those things that before, he says that I strive, I run the races set before me, looking unto Jesus. There is a right learning from 
what we have passed through. We have that in Deuteronomy. Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God hath led thee, and we're not to forget what manner of persons we are or the lessons we've learned in the past. But we shouldn't have those things dragging us back. So we're looking back all the time. Bunyan, in his Pilgrim's Progress, he makes the point clear with his Christian that he's got no armour on his back. He is to go forward. And we think of the children of Israel even at the Red Sea and Israel and Egypt behind them, the wilderness in front, but the Lord says, saying to them that they go forward. And those things that are dragging back, they are to be passed on from. And this is what the Lord was saying to Samuel and saying to us, if we are in the same situation, that we cannot get over the past, we cannot get over those who have been before us and all that has happened before us. And it stops us from looking on and pressing on. So the Lord had a word then, for Samuel for this time, a way set before Samuel. And the way was to go and anoint another, anoint one of Jesse's sons. You know, the Lord could easily have told Samuel which son, couldn't he? But he didn't. It was to be found out. He was to be directed at the time, shown at the time, which was the one that the Lord had chosen. Sometimes we like to have things. Lord, tell me everything at the start. I don't want to walk it out step by step and unfold, but Lord says, no. You think of Joseph. He had the dreams. He knew what was before him. Not exact <coughs> detail, but the walking of it out. He had to walk it out step by step until his time came the word of the Lord tried him. Don't be surprised, the Lord hides things from us. And we need to walk it out by faith, day by day. And the Lord show us when it is time for us to know. And so Samuel had this way set before him. Go, go to Bethlehem. I have provided uh, for me one, a king among his sons. I pause here. What a beautiful thought, a type here concerning our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, David's greater son. The Lord has provided me a king. When we think of the Lord Jesus Christ and our king, the king in Zion, and those words, I provided me a king. The king of the people of God, the king of kings and lord of lords. My son, said Abraham to Isaac, God shall provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. But here is another way, a king. A king shall reign in righteousness. A king shall be anointed. A king shall be lifted up, exalted, and it shall be the greatest son of David, 
the beautiful line in Matthew where we have from Abraham to David, 14 generations, and from David to the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, 14 generations. And our Lord was to be the son of David from both lines you take to Joseph and to Mary, down Solomon's line you get to Joseph, down Nathan's line you get to Mary. You won't find that in any other individual in Scripture. Our Lord Jesus Christ is set forth truly as this provided King. And may that be sweet to us, precious to us, be directed to him where he shall be anointed, where he shall be lifted up, he shall be shown above all his brethren and be magnified in our sight. But now we have dear Samuel and this way he has a fear. He says, how can I go? How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. Do we have a fear in that way? How can I go? I believe this was a very, very real fear. We think how Saul later on pursued David, seeking to kill him at every opportunity he could. How many fear nots there are in the word of God. But the Lord had an answer for Samuel here what he was to do, the Lord's direction in his fears. Many times the Lord answers this. My mind goes to when our Lord as a babe was taken by Joseph and Mary into Egypt because of Herod. She sought to kill the child. And then when Herod was dead, then he was directed to return But as he was returning, then he heard that his son reigned and he feared. And so the Lord directed him and he went into the coast of Galilee to Nazareth. And so we might have a path and we fear. And instead of just saying, well, we shouldn't fear, We shouldn't bring this again to the Lord. We bring it to the Lord and in that case he showed another path and another way. We think of David when he went up to save uh, those that were in Keilah when the Philistines were robbing the threshing floors. The Lord told him to go up but his men, they said, we are in fear of our lives in the wilderness, how much more then? His men were fearful. David goes back to the Lord and asks the Lord again. And the Lord answers him again to go up and that he will be with him and he will save those of Keilah. It's right to bring our fears to the Lord. However much we might say, the Lord has given clear direction, I shouldn't fear. I shouldn't be worried. I shouldn't be burdened. Bring those very fears to the Lord. Tell the Lord about it. 
Don't try to hide them or imagine they're not there. The Lord knows our heart and the Lord is honoured in bringing those fears before him. The Lord then gives Samuel a direction to hide the real purpose of his mission. He was to say that he comes to sacrifice unto the Lord and he was. He was going to sacrifice, but in doing that, he was to bring about a, another mission. One of our hymns, it, uh, hymn 132, we read in verse 4 of that hymn, When frowns appear to veil his face and clouds surround his throne, he hides the purpose of his grace to make it better known. Often the Lord uses those things that we think, like dear Jacob, all these things are against me. The Lord again didn't tell Jacob, look, your son Joseph has gone before into Egypt. This is for your good. The Lord hid that what he was really doing and he thought it was against him. And here as well, the Lord has an, an open reason that people are saying this is why Samuel is coming, but there's another work going on, another thing that is a more important thing that is happening. We need to remember that in our lives. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Now some might say, well, isn't this isn't this deceitful of Samuel? No, it is not. It would be if this was a court of law or if this was a church meeting that we're trying to get to the truth of a matter and those that you were asking what had happened, you were wanting to get to the truth and they were deliberately deceiving you, putting you off the scent, telling you one thing was true and actually something else was going on, that is deceitful, that is wrong. But in this case, it was a proper mission, a sacrifice, but another work going on. And as we've said, the Lord many times works in this way. It is said in Proverbs that it is a fool that speaketh all his mind that lays bare everything that is thought in his head, and with the Lord many things. He says, I have many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. There's a time to speak, a time to show them to his disciples, and a time not to. So Samuel goes, and the Lord then shows him who it is that is to be anointed, Samuel was going to make a mistake. He was thinking that surely the Lord's anointed was before the Lord when he wasn't. And the Lord had to direct him until it seemed that there was none left. It exhausted all of the possibilities. Are here all thy children? The Lord had said to him, he had provided for him one amongst his sons. And then there's found David. Overlooked, despised perhaps. And yet he is the anointed one. 
Again, beautiful type of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. There is no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. And he is not what man would choose. But it's him whom God has chosen and God hath exalted. But after that choice, after David was anointed in that way, you might say, in a private anointing, anointing that was not proclaimed so that Saul would know and Saul would pursue after David or after Samuel. But immediately, immediately the Lord begins to work and further this. We find that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Whatever it was anointed with oil, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then the Lord begins to work in providence. And he begins to work even in the taking away of his spirit from Saul is the means of bringing David from the sheep right into the king's palace, right next to the king, to be taught and instructed and to learn the ways of court and to be known by all of those round about uh, Saul and uh, no doubt you uh, noted as we read this how David was already known. One of the servants, in verse 18, one of the servants had seen And sometimes we don't realise how many people are seeing us and watching us and observing us and the things that they would say of us. Then answered one of the servants, and you think of the things that he had observed of David. I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. The crowning thing, he discerned the Lord was with him. And the Lord uses this desire to calm Saul down from bringing David a skill in music. We shouldn't despise, you know, if the Lord gives us a gift in something, as to how the Lord might use that, whether it's music, accountancy, or whatever it is, engineering or electronics, or whatever it is, the Lord used with David playing the harp to bring him in. If David couldn't have played that harp, he wouldn't have been next to Saul at all. And so you, you do not know what a stepping stone, how the Lord will even use what may be a hobby some skill like that in his purpose and in bringing you to where he'd have you to be. And then uh, there follows in the next chapter when the Philistines gathered together the well-known account of Goliath and David had gone back to his sheep and there for 40 days Goliath challenges Israel to have one captain, one to come and fight against him. If that one was to overcome him, then the Philistines would be servants to the Israelites. 
But if Goliath overcame the Israelite that had been chosen, then Israel would be servants to the Philistines. And for 40 days and 40 in Scripture is a testing word, 40 uh, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days the Lord was tempted in the desert, 40 days after the Lord rose from the dead, then he ascended up into heaven. Uh, all the time, 40 is, a, is a, a testing time, a proving time. And it was proved there was no help in Israel, not in Saul, not in anyone else. There was a need of that, a need to prove there was no help in Israel before David was then exalted and lifted up. And then another skill of David in using the, uh, with his sling, and there he is set before not just all of Israel and the king, but set before the enemies of the Lord as well. And so the Lord is using in providence to reinforce what had been done in secret. He was setting his seal. Now I think it was Thomas Boston said that he would put more weight upon providence than he would on words from the Lord. Because we can mistake a word from the Lord that we think the Lord has spoken to us, but providence we cannot order others to do things we cannot bring about what God will not do. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? You might have a word that you're going to have this job or this person for a, for a wife or a husband, but if they don't want you or they uh, don't offer you the job, then you can't have it. And uh, providence is vital to go along with the Lord's word. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is Good. Providence unfolds the book, says the hymn writer, and makes his counsels shine. If the Lord has given you a word and laid a word or promise upon your spirit, as it were, keep it to yourself, lay it before the Lord in prayer and watch providence. Watch to see the Lord going before and don't force providence, but watch the Lord's hand. He that will watch providence will not lack a providence to watch. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So we have this is the, the, the context, this is the picture that was before Samuel here, and the, the, the context of which the middle of it how can I go? And without that objection, that fear being resolved, Samuel could not go. It's very important for him to be able to proceed that he was shown how, how he could go. And you might say, well, that is me. For me to proceed, for me to go forward, for me to act in this way, to, to overcome these fears, I need this as well. I need the answer to my how can I? And so I want to look at four instances. We introduce them as we go. And I want to begin here with, with this account, but put it in this way. How can I proceed in the way directed to overcome the fear of man? Because that is what 
Samuel had here the fear of man. And we're told the fear of man bringeth a snare. And I approved it. I approved it in my life. So wanting to do a thing, wanting to proceed in a matter, to obey the Lord, to walk in a way that is honouring to him. And I could not. And no amount of resolutions and no amount of effort to do until the Lord appeared and blessed my soul and took away the fear of man. And that does bring a snare. Many, many things. We read, uh, when our Lord was on earth, there were those that believed on him but did not confess him, lest they be thrown out of the temple. We have the parents of the man that was born blind. And they wouldn't even confess. They said, he is of age, ask him. They didn't want anything to do with it because they didn't want to be cast out of the temple. The Lord has said in John 17, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. As soon as we have the word of God and we begin to walk according to the word of God, then we will find that that walk is contrary to the world. And those that are of the world... They will oppose that. And then there is the feeling also of ourselves and what we are and how we view ourselves. I remember in, in even making profession, in venturing to make an open profession, know my own sin, what this will come as a shock, a surprise to, to others. They won't receive my testimony. I felt that too in, in going forth into the ministry. I thought, well, what will my father say? He was in the ministry. How will he receive this? And he says, I thought you'd go years ago. That was his response. And we, we have those fears as to how people will react and what they will say is very real fear and Samuel had that here it is the Lord that is able to take away the fear of man is able to release from that snare he has the ability to do it I know it I proved it so and I proved it in the blessing of the Lord and to wait upon the Lord for it. And for me, some three months or so. And it is vital that the Lord come and bless in that way. So we see no man but Jesus only. You think of even Elijah being so greatly used of the Lord on Mount Carmel, able to stand before Ahab. And then Jezebel says she's going to kill him. And he fears and he flees and he runs away, wishes that he would die. Elijah, Elias, a man subject to like passions as we are. Strong one moment, weak the next. Full of... Strength one minute and next minute full of fears. Is that you? It is me. Creatures of fear. We drag along. We fear where no fear is. 
So if your question is this, through the fear of man, how can I go? How can I walk in this path? Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord as Samuel did. And let the Lord manage you. If he's directed you in the way, he's not a hard taskmaster. He doesn't say, look, just overcome that fear. Just push through it. When the Lord gives faith, the Lord gives help, he does give help and he does give strength. And he helps Samuel here. He'll help you too. Help me. The second point that I bring before you is that of Moses. In Deuteronomy, and chapter 1, verse 12, we read of Moses saying to the children of Israel, How can I, myself, alone bear your cumbrance and your burden and your strife? There are several accounts of this. In, in, in one case, we have Moses' uh, father-in-law observing how that the people were queuing up to receive judgment from Moses and he said, you wear yourself away and the people away. You cannot bear this alone. Here it is, Moses is rehearsing again at this point. A people, a responsibility, a weight that was upon Moses And it appeared here that he must bear it all alone. Maybe we come this evening and you think, how can I bear this responsibility? How can I bear this weight? How can I carry it alone? I have come feeling very alone. As if this matter, this burden, this trial, this impossibility, you're carrying it all alone. The scriptures say, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Pray one for another. A burden shared is a burden halved. Here the Lord provided for Moses, those 70 rulers from amongst their tribes, those that were to be used to Deal with the lesser matters, the cause that is too hard for you. He said to them, bring it unto me. But the lesser matters he delegated and lessened the burden and the weight from off him. And what is upon my spirit on this point is whether it is of a matter relating to your family, personally, or the church, And it may be you feel you're the only one that feels the concern or the burden and the weight of this. And you feel very alone in bearing it. But you might say, how can I myself alone bear this? But bring it before the Lord. And the Lord again knows how to help. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. You give his people that strength equal to their day and help them 
in a way it is a direction for delegating responsibility where there is the, the way. Paul felt it. He said, that falls on me, the care of all the churches. And he felt that responsibility. And if we are in positions of responsibility, whether a pastor or a preacher, a deacon or an elder, it is right that we should feel that responsibility. Take it seriously. But really in a way... How can we bear it alone without taking it to the throne of grace again and again? How can I? The secret of being able to continue, the secret of able to keep going, how can I? Is in bringing it to the Lord. In ourselves, no, we cannot. We have no might, we have no power, we cannot endure It is the Lord's mercies and help to be able to bear that path. The third point I bring before you is the children of Israel going into the promised land and again staying in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 17. There had been the command that they should go into the land, that they should completely destroy the inhabitants of the land, they should dispossess them, take away the Canaanites, they should live in their place, that was their inheritance. And there is a how can I? And it is supposing that they would say this, if thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I. How can I dispossess them? In a way, the nations around about is a picture, really, of the children of God and that which is in their hearts, their old nature that is still there. The conflict between the new man of grace and the old man of sin that casting out of the old man, the dealing with sin. How can I dispossess? How can I get rid of this lust, this temptation, this sin, this corruption? How can I overcome these things? It seems too great. You see the children of Israel beginning uh, that conquest and all these enemies, all these adversaries all like a great cloud. And there's no greater, as it were, adversary and that which comes as an opposer of the child of God than their own sinful, corrupt, evil heart that rises up against the Lord, its pride, its corruptions. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know him? You see, Paul, he says, I keep under my body, lest after I preach to others, I become a castaway. And all the time there's this rising up. He says, the good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And it is a constant uh, conflict. 
is if I do that which I would not, it's no more I that do him, but sin that dwelleth in me. What is his answer? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. There is a deliverance. If ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The Lord Jesus Christ shall lift up a standard against the adversary. He knoweth the heart of man. And you know, the children of Israel, thinking of this type, when they first turned back, was at this very same point. Because the twelve spies, ten of them said, there's so many adversaries, there's giants, the land that it eateth up the inhabitants. They moved Israel against Moses, against their leaders, even against Joshua and Caleb who brought the good report. And so they were then driven into the wilderness for 40 years. And here again, when they then come into the land, it's still the same snare, the same thing. These same adversaries, these same old historical inhabitants of the land. And we could go back, and sometimes I go back, and I think the sins that plagued me, or then they didn't plague me in my youth and childhood, they still are a trouble and a trial to me now. The, the scriptures speak of how besetting sins, and each one has their own, knoweth its heart, every heart knoweth its own bitterness. And the heart doesn't change. And I look right back, and any thoughts I had 40 years ago of it being different now, well, it's not. It's still the same conflict, still the same old nature, it's still the same opposition, still the same hatred to the things of God. But by grace, there's that love of the Lord, though sometimes we fear greatly how little we love. And the new man of grace is like Bunyan again with his pilgrim's progress. There is that oil that is poured on, that secret life and that strengthening of the soul in the midst of all of that water that is poured on. If this is your word, your fear, how can I dispossess these? And maybe these things are joined together. How can I go? Because how can I manage these corruptions of my heart? How can I overcome the fear of man and all these things? How can I? How can I? And they're all joining together. Or that we might be delivered from the I. How can I? And directed to the Lord, what the Lord will do. What we cannot do, the Lord will do. No, Gideon, how could he overcome the Midianites? The Lord brought his army down to 300, but it was that the glory and honour be the Lord's and not Gideon's. And when the Lord appears for his people, they know and they say, by the apostle, I laboured more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I am what I am, not by my own efforts, not by my own wisdom and might. I am what I am by the grace of God. And he puts the crown 
on the Lord's hand. Well, the last one I bring before you is that which was spoken by the eunuch to Philip in Acts 8. Philip had come to him and directed to him and he asked this question as he is reading the prophet Isaiah. And he says to him, Understandest thou what thou readest? And the eunuch, he answers, he says, how can I? How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Understandest thou? You know the parable of the sower, the difference between the one that fell on the seed, fell on the wayside, was immediately taken up the Lord said it was him that heard the word and understandeth it not and then the one that bore fruit into good ground prepared ground was the one that heard it and understood it the disciples the Lord opened their understanding that they should understand the scriptures Paul said, I would rather speak five words with the understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. The Lord will cause his people to understand and understand that which the world cannot understand and that which we cannot understand of ourselves. And to think here, the Lord used ministry. He used Philip's ministry. It has pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And under that one sermon, the eunuch went from not knowing who the prophet was speaking of, whether himself or another man, to knowing that Christ was set forth and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be then baptised in that one sermon and one account. How can I, except some man should guide me? The Lord said that he had promised the Holy Spirit that he shall not speak of himself, but he shall guide you into all truth. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit is the guide and instructor of the people of God. Are you asking tonight, how can I understand? How can I understand the scriptures? How can I understand the way? It is as the Lord opens it up. Line upon line, here a little and there a little. Opening the eyes, opening the ears, opening the understanding. Is this your how can I? What a blessed thing it would be through the word this evening or through the ministry of the Lord's servants at another time. The Lord brings such a change, such a blessed result as what was known here by the eunuch. That how can I turn to such a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and his testimony I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and upon that
he was baptised. Well, if our question this evening, our word before the Lord has been this, how can I? Or maybe you've added the go as well. How can I go? May the Lord show you the way. How you can go. How you can move on from where you are now. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.